May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Thoughts and prayers has oddly become a bit of a controversial phrase these days. Every time there's a tragedy, like a mass shooting, a natural disaster, the fire at Notre Dame, children being removed from their parents when trying to seek shelter in a new place, personal crisis like illness or death, people talk about offering their thoughts and prayers to those affected. And the reason that it has become controversial is not that it has any ill will or ill intention, but it can sound like a bit of a cop-out if there's no action to back it up. It's kind of like telling a hungry person, I pray you'll find some food soon, rather than feeding them like Jesus tells us to do. Yes, pray for people, but feed them too. And so sometimes we are left wondering, now what? Because when we are faced with overwhelming problems in our world that clearly go against God's intentions for humanity, how do we move beyond a Facebook profile picture frame supporting the latest victim? How do we figure out where we should jump in and where we can really help? Because very few of us will ever be in a position where we will be called to be direct responders to a situation like 9-11 or the Charleston church shooting. Not many of us are able to pick up and move to Uganda like my friend Catherine, who's an attorney defending women against gender-based violence. And it's rare for a person or even a congregation to have such a firm sense of identity and calling that they're able to grow into their full God-given potential. So we are left feeling helpless, frustrated, and even numb to the horror of what's happening in the world around us. We can and must, however, stand up for what is right. We can and should champion the causes of compassion, justice, unity, and grace. We can and should build our lives on faith, hope, and love. And very few people out there, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, atheist, or other, will disagree with what I just said about that. So why do hate, injustice, prejudice, and fear still run rampant in our world? Why do we still have extreme hate groups like the KKK and the Westboro Baptist Church? If they are the minority, why is their voice so loud? Why is it that many other churches are seen as irrelevant peddlers of thoughts and prayers? It's not that there is anything wrong with standing up for what's right. I don't think that's why people avoid it. I think it's good to champion compassion and justice and unity and grace. And like I said, most people agree that that is good. It's very nice, in theory, to live a life built on faith, hope, and love. It's just that... It's hard, very hard work. It's easier to offer thoughts and prayers and sound like we're doing something without actually changing anything about what we are doing. While the lead up in Elijah's story is quite different to our own situation, Elijah has been left feeling the same sort of way in the face of injustice in his world. This prophet is called by God to stand up for what is right and true, and he did not find that road easy. 
There are enemies out to kill him. There's violence and bloodshed all around. And he's stuck in a cave by himself, hiding and trying to figure out, now what? The same prophet had just previously shown up a whole slew of the false god of the all's prophets. And now he's a terrified mess. The prophets of Baal had been slaughtered for their inability to make good on what they'd said they could do. But instead of receiving some sort of accolades for outing their falsehoods, Elijah is now on the run from an evil queen. He stood up for what was right, but the evil was louder. Queen Jezebel is a bad guy of Disney-like proportions. And even after doing what God called him to do, Elijah finds himself hiding in a cave, waiting for further instruction from God. So then we fast forward to Galatians. We literally fast forwarded to Galatians this morning, but actually that works. I liked that transition. And so we move on to this word about being heirs to the promise. Scripture says that if we belong to Jesus, we are heirs to the promise. What the heck sort of promise is this that lands a powerful prophet in a cave cowering from an angry queen? Promise that gives us the task of speaking out against hate, which is a dangerous and unpopular job indeed. In the midst of turmoil, as Elijah learned, it can be hard to listen for God's voice. And so perhaps that is why God didn't speak in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. In the midst of the turmoil, Elijah must have been too shaken by the power and danger of it all to listen. He was already scared and on edge. But God needed Elijah to see past the drama to see the future. Elijah's faith needed to come not just out of the turmoil, but out of the hope of the future, out of the place of peace The quiet rest in God when the dust settles. Thank God that we have been given the ultimate resolution in Jesus Christ. See, Galatians tells us that we are all equal in Christ. We are not all the same. This isn't about seeing, or this isn't about not seeing the differences between people because that's ridiculous, but embracing everyone equally for who they are and giving them a voice. We have to shut up and listen in the silence because that's where God speaks, outside of the drama. We have to listen to voices that haven't been heard or haven't been allowed to speak because God speaks through them. We have to listen to the voices of those left behind by tens of thousands of Americans who die yearly from gun violence. We have to listen to the people who are showing up at our borders seeking asylum from war and poverty and gangs. We have to give voice to the men and women who can't afford $100 for bail and are being held without conviction at the county jail. We have to listen to couples who were refused service because of who they walked in with. We have to listen to Pittsburgh's increasingly large numbers of immigrants because people from all around the globe deserve a voice. Did the description of any one of those groups of people raise up some discomfort for you? Perhaps a bit of distaste, as if they somehow deserve to be disliked or are less worthy of justice and compassion? Did the thought of spending time with one of these groups of people make you uncomfortable? Are you afraid that in listening to them, you might have to back down or change a long-held belief or let go of fear? Because when we look at Galatians today, it is clear that they are all beloved 
by God. They are all worthy of listening to. There's a reason that we have a cross up front and center in the sanctuary. And there is a reason that we don't have a figure of Jesus on the cross that we have up front. It is because this is not a a sign of our shame or our guilt. It is not a conversation starter so that we can tell people how sinful they are. It is a sign of hope. Hope of salvation. Hope of resurrection. Hope that in the darkest of times we are not left alone by our Heavenly Father. But rather, God came down to walk among us and to be here with us in the midst of our darkest times. Hope that God offers more than just thoughts and prayers. Our job as church in the world is this. Spread the news of hope in Jesus Christ to everyone he died for. And that is, in case I have not made myself painfully clear yet, everyone. Anyone who tells you there are any people who are less deserving of a place at the table of dignity, respect, love, comfort, joy, has either not read or has misread the Bible, or they are a liar protecting their own interests. So here's the money question. Even before we ask ourselves how to start, how to do this, we have to ask ourselves where to start. Someone asked me at Bible study recently after our study on mission and outreach, okay, you've sold us. We're ready to start something new and different and exciting. So where do we start? Because we can't just take up all the causes out there because while you are all some pretty amazing, loving, and creative people, our numbers are not overwhelming right now. Not to mention some causes are directly in conflict with one another. And let's face it, even big churches can't just take up every cause under the sun and start fixing the world. This starts small. It starts with this season of discernment and prayer that we are entering into as a congregation. It starts by studying the community and seeing what needs are really out there. Who is it that's being ignored or silenced right here in our own backyard? We have to research and study and get to know our neighborhood and then ask God where we are to take action. Did you know that there is a large African refugee population in Pittsburgh, especially on the north side? Some are even from Rwanda, a place we all know and love more today than we did a few months ago before Tom and Martha and I went there. Did you know that almost 5% of the population of Emsworth is living below the poverty line? And while Sewickley has a higher average income overall, over 6% of Sewickley residents are living below the poverty line. Did you know that the county jail holds over 2,000 inmates, many of whom have not yet been tried for the crimes they are accused of? Now, our denomination has resources for engagement in just about any justice or compassion issue you can think of. We just have to find our passion, and there is a lot of direction out there. But we have to figure out that what before we can move on to the how. So as we continue to pray together in this season of discernment, I want you to think about this. This is your prayer prompt homework for this week, and actually for the next two weeks, because Ashley will be with you all next week. What action is our congregation called to in moving beyond thoughts and prayers or adding on to our thoughts and prayers? 
Specifically, what injustice in the world is it that we are most passionate about as a faith community? Let us pray. O God, show us clearly the heart of the kingdom of God. We do not protest even if our life is destined to lead to the cross or if the way leads to our losing our lives. We will march in the face of distress and contrary winds and teach us how to dispense with unnecessary things. Let us go forward without fear of death in order to fulfill our mission simply, surely, and steadily. Reveal to us our station clearly and strengthen us to teach and guide by our example all persons, even those who are ruled by evil. We pray that you may find us worthy to work through us. Amen.